The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Joanne Mercier. Hey, Joanne. Hey, Dom. And Father Corey Stiga. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Very well, thanks. Folks, I want to tell you about another show on the StarQuest Network you are sure to enjoy called Jimmy Akin's Mysterious World. And you can find that wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash mysterious so uh, just to get right into things today we've got some great listener feedback I want to share with you right now uh, we talked recently last episode about um, the, uh, your tech has a death date was the, the title of the episode and we talked about how uh, a lot of tech this day, these days can't be repaired can't be upgraded or updated or fixed and has to be you know tossed out because uh, you know, you, you can't fix it. And uh, so we got some feedback from James on Facebook who wrote, uh, planned obsolescence is very real. And with the push for lean manufacturing, so is the avoidance of over-engineering. Gone are the days of products that last forever. Sales doesn't like durable products. I worked at a manufacturing company that made vacuum cups. One of our engineers was telling me about a new vacuum cup they designed that lasted twice as long as the old cup. He told me it was presented to the sales team, but they didn't like it because it would mean they would make less sales calls to the customers. I don't think we move forward with it. We don't fix things. We just replace them. In 1999, I was in prerequisite technology training for a computer sales job. And this quote came from one of the instructors. So and then he uh, shared it with a picture of a uh, TV from the 19, uh, TV uh, refrigerator from the uh, 1980s that still runs compared to our refrigerators today that they tell us we have to replace every 10 years or so. Oh, but in the 1980s, they were saying they don't build them like the fridges back in the 60s. So, I mean, let's. <laughs> well, the fridges back in the but... 50s, they, those could survive a nuclear blast. You could, like, kind of. Right? Just like you could, you, Indiana you Jones. You could hide in one. You could hide in one during a nuclear blast and you'd be all right. <laughs> but, yeah, well, uh, kids were hiding in them. That's the problem. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but that was the uh, Indiana Jones, the Crystal Skull, was the uh, one where he hid in the. In the what? To survive. What? what? What movie is that? I, I've never heard of that movie. <laughs> oh, you'll get to hear uh, me and Shelly Kelly and uh, Thomas Salerno, I think it is, uh, talk about that movie coming up soon on The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows. Oh, we boy. had a, uh, a listener request <laughs> that we review plug. it. Yes. Yeah. Well, well no. it's going to be a fun, uh, painful experience, and so <laughs> uh, so, uh, so it's going to be like some of the, uh, the the Star Trek episodes that we've talked about that we basically spend the whole time ranting. It's going to be like that. <laughs> yeah, it, it probably will be. <laughs> it'll be fun. It'll, it'll be fun. Um, so, uh, but yes, thank you, James. It's, it's so true that there is a level of planned obsolescence out there where you know they they don't want these things to survive for too long. Um, on the other hand, we're paying so much for these things up front that it it doesn't really, you know. And it, it's frustrating is there are companies, and I, I listened to the episode, and I, you know, I agree a lot with what you guys said, but, you know, 
they can design some repairability into these devices. They know how to do that. Mm -hmm. They really can. I mean, you can look at even phones, you know, five years ago that you could still replace the batteries and they weren't any thinner than or thicker than what they have today. You know, so, I mean, there's there's ways they could do it. I listened to the episode as well, and I'm just totally, uh, Oh, totally verklempt that my Sonic Care is going to be dead in four years. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean this this planned obsolescence. It's it's a shame because, like with Apple products, and I'll always say that they you, some of them you can't kill, and they right. work fine. And it's just that you either can't plug them into something newer, mm-hmm. or they just don't function the same way. And it's right. a shame that they that these things can't be retrofitted and and rejiggered so that they can continue to be using until their natural death mm-hmm. or until somebody throws it out of a window. Right. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, those are the two things. It's either the software uh, out gets outdated or the hardware doesn't work, usually a battery. Uh, and that's the that's the kind of stuff like that Apple has problems with is the battery stuff because watches and AirPods, as we talked about watches and AirPods, you can't replace the batteries. You know, you mm-hmm. could take your phone in for a battery replacement. It's like, a, you know, these kiosks or repair shops will will do it for you. But, you know, never forget about a watch or, a, or AirPods. Those are right. those are lost causes. Yeah. Unfortunately, my watch is starting to. Yeah. That's pretty mm. much what will what drives I think what drives most watch upgrades is the just it won't last all day and that's that's the thing. All right, so but thank you James for your feedback. We love to get feedback from our listeners. Uh, so uh, let's move on to our first segment today. We were talking about this new Pew Research Center uh, study or poll survey that they came out with called Teens Social Media and Technology. And this is a, a periodic survey that they do. The last one was, I think, 2015 they, they came out with. And so they're updating, you know, how do teens use, as it says, social media and technology today? And there's some interesting findings in it. But uh, overall, what did you think of what, what we saw here uh, in this study? Just any top level thoughts about it? Um, are we doomed? no but i know they're not on i know they're not on facebook anymore that's for old people yeah yeah um and they are on youtube constantly those are the two places i mean you can find them on you i can find my husband on youtube because he's like Mm -hmm. everything that you want to know about how to do something is on youtube but i know kids are mostly watching um influencers or they're watching program what we would call programs that aren't on mainstream streaming mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. example um i i don't know tiktok i don't want to know tiktok um but from my point of view of somebody who's trying to work with these young pre- people in a you know religious setting i got to know where they are in order to reach them right mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, when I hear, you know, put it up on Facebook, I'm like, well, they're not there, folks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got to keep up. How about you, Father Corey? What Top top level thoughts on this? <laughs> scares me. Yeah. Absolutely scares me. You know, the idea that these kids don't know how to disconnect. They mm. do not know how to disconnect. When you see, what is it, 46%, I think it was, that they're on constantly. Yeah. The number of teens that have been online almost constantly has doubled since 2015, and that's 46%. That's almost half of teens do not know how to put down the smartphone and go away. 
Right. Constantly means, you know, that I'd like to see the definition that they use for constantly. Yeah, I would too. But probably means, you know, using it, uh, you know, in an app, have have an app open and using the phone, uh, you know, probably eight to 10 hours a day, probably something well, like I'm, that. I'm, 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 I'm assuming constantly means they're, they're the, you know, the stereotypical kid that you see there with the phone constantly in their hand and they're constantly staring at it every spare moment they have. Right. And even if that's not the case, that's still the fact that 46% would self identify as using it constantly is scary. Right. You know, um, I, you know, and, and, you know, of course, they, they show how many are using TikTok and that, that's that's a whole nother discussion for a whole nother episode of why TikTok needs to be like banned immediately and flushed <laughs> off the Internet. But that's, you know, and that's not just because of teens. That's just because of issues with the platform. Right. Um, but it, it's it, it's scary to me because, yeah, I grew up with technology. I, I'm of that generation. You know, we, we they, you know, they call, talk about the uh you know, those who those of us who grew up with technology, but technology was an adjunct to our life. It wasn't the most important thing in our life. You know, we had a home computer, but we also got told go out and play till the lights turn on at night. You know, that kind of deal. The street lights turn on at night, that kind of deal. Um, do these kids have a life that doesn't involve that phone? Well, you often hear like a lot of a lot of people talking about, you know, you don't see kids outside playing much anymore, you know, apart from kids who are at sports or organized events. Mm-hmm. But you don't just see kids hanging out in the neighborhoods. Um, I know anecdotally, uh, I work with uh, scouts. I see a lot of, you know, scouts and I hear from like parents. Oh, my my son, he's on, you know, Fortnite till two o'clock in the morning and he's mm-hmm. always on the thing. And it's like, uh, and then they're bragging about how well their kid does on it. It's like, well, I mean, are you, are you parenting them? Are you telling them yeah. you can't be on it? Are you turning off the, 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 the internet access to their devices at a particular time? So they go to bed and so they're not online all the time. I mean, you know, we, we've talked a lot about different tools parents can use, but you also, like, it can't just be a, uh, a ban where I like turn the thing off. You also need to talk to them about what's healthy and also modeling behavior. Cause are, are the parents now mm-hmm. uh, constantly on their devices too? And I'd, I'd like to see some correlative studies that show, okay, so you have, you have the teens are teens who are self-reporting that they're constantly on their devices. What are their parents doing? Are mm-hmm. they constantly on their devices too? Uh, and and so there'd be some interesting stuff. I, so one of the things I want to bring out, uh, mention here, one of the pieces of data is they they said that YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat, and Facebook are the are the big ones, and thirty five percent of teens say they're using at least one of those almost constantly. So a mm-hmm. third say they're they're in one of those the big five. Now that how does that how how do we get like the forty six percent? Well, there the the others are in something else. You know, at, right. at another point in time. Um, 19% say that they use YouTube almost constantly, so one in five. 16% say this about TikTok, 15 15% about Snapchat. Interestingly, Twitter and Tumblr have both declined a lot since the last survey in 2015. Tumblr used to be the place for teens, and now it's passe. Because you know, Tumblr has tumbled. Oh, <laughs> but it was you know, it would have been the place for people who are now in their twenties. They're you know, they they will remember it. And people who are in their 
30s up to 40s were probably live journal, you know, before that. Mm -hmm. It's just whatever the previous generation was using is passe to the current generation, that sort of thing. And what I find interesting is that I've spoken to teens recently, um, and some of them were saying that since the pandemic, They've been trying to get away from their screens. Mm -hmm. So this this um, definition of constantly, does that mean they're watching YouTube constantly because they're not watching television? You know, is that right. their preferred method of, of, of viewing rather than, you know, so they're going to say, oh, yeah, I watch YouTube constantly, you know, mm -hmm. in that regard. I'm not, I'm not sure that kids are wedded to screens as much since the pandemic. I think for a lot of people, screens have become a, a an auxiliary part of daily life in the sense of it's there mm -hmm. in my hand. And when I'm doing things with other people, I'm looking at things on my phone. Like, so we're having a conversation, I'll look up, you know, a place and or I'll, right. uh, I'll, I'll I'm, 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 or the other thing is, is I'm including the people who are in my social media circle in a co live conversation I'm having with people I'm present with. I see that mm. a lot too. Like, oh, you know, well, uh, uh, we're talking about going to the movies, and oh, Bill on, you know, on uh, I'm talking to him on, uh, you know, YouTube or TikTok or Snapchat or whatever, uh, not on YouTube, but you know, Bill on mm -hmm. whatever. Uh, set or in text, it's the other one, but it's probably the biggest one. Uh, you know, Bill says via text that he wants to do this, and so conversations are this can often be these uh, an amalgam of live and and virtual, and they don't have. I don't think they often have that distinction that we might have. Right. Uh, I'd of, agree with that. I'd agree with that a lot. And I don't see that in itself as a bad thing, you know, again, again, like you're talking about, oh, we're going to arrange to go catch a movie or we're going to arrange to go meet up for, you know, for coffee or something. And, hey, I'll send a text and you know, invite so-and-so and see what they think or, you know, and then I, I think that's good. I think that the issue is, you know, the, again, the stereotypical kid. And again, adults do it, too. You're, you're absolutely right. You know, I'm sure they're learning it from their parents that every spare moment they've got that stupid thing in front of their face. Mm -hmm. Let me let me give you a case in point with parents. Um, okay, you can all groan now. I went to my 10th Barry Manilow concert the other night. <laughs> okay, Get the now Koopa, I, Koopa yeah, you got it. Yep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you got it. And I have to admit, watching the crowd, because I love to crowd watch at something oh, yeah. like this, and I haven't been to a concert. And of course, I masked up. But every time he came out to sing, 200 phones went up in the air. And I'm now now that's not to say I didn't take and, and they did not make the announcement anymore. Please do not video any of this. They've stopped making that announcement. But and I did it a couple of times because there were some things that he has done in con he did in concert that he very rarely does. So I wanted that. But these people were watching a concert through a screen, through a viewfinder rather than experiencing it as you're there. And not necessarily a new thing. People have been doing this for a while. Uh, a friend of mine back in the nineties, when uh, he was, we, I was in college. He went. To, he was uh, on our European campus for a semester, and he was in Vienna. I think he said, and he remembers seeing this guy. They were on a tour, and this one guy had a camcorder. Remember those things? And mm -hmm. had his eye in the camcorder the entire time. Like you just watched Vienna on a tiny little screen, like. 
how about experience it? You know, I don't begrudge people wanting to wanting to record their memories. I love to take pictures. And anyone who's seen my Instagram knows that um, I love to take pictures of what we're doing in our family life, whatever. But I also know this, you know, take the picture, put it down. Like, mm-hmm. d- don't live your life like why? Like, it's good to record things for memories. But don't you, you, there, I think there's a line of obsessiveness about recording things mm-hmm. for our yeah. memories. And th- that's th- there's a line, I think, we're crossing for a lot of stuff. I, I and I agree. Um, it, it, it's and I whether kids are falling into the same habits, if they are, they're getting it from their parents who, yeah. have, who <laughs> have recorded every single one of their, you know, triumphs and tribulations on some sort of a screen for a long time because parents have those things out at every event as well. Well, in, in talking about social media in particular, again, you know, the TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. It is such an influence on these kids. We've talked about that before. You know, the surveys that show that how many of these kids are influenced by what they see, the influencers, how they really do affect how the kids see themselves. That if if they're not showing the, you know, the smiley, happy person that they see the influencers being, you know, then they, they feel inf- affected by that and so on. There's so many of those kind of things going on, too. And that's why it concerns me. Because there has been an increase of things like depression and ADHD and and other, you know, other things like that, that could pretty easily be related to this use of this mm-hmm. instant on instant going mind changing media. Part of the, the constancy, this idea of being constantly in these uh, apps uh, is the stickiness of the algorithms. And we again, we've talked about it before, but it was worth repeating, you know. TikTok has the endless scroll, like the the next video and the next video. And Instagram has done that now with the reels. And Facebook has its reels. And YouTube has got shorts. And now everyone has these things that are designed to just keep you a short video that takes you to the next one. It takes you to the next one. And it's all all. And the next one depends on what how long you watched the last one, what the content of the last one was. And and, and it's just this draws you in. And I've heard and experienced, I'll be honest here, raise my hand to God, I've done this. You know, I I pick up the phone, the phone to post something. I look at, I see a video and an hour goes by because I've been flipping through reels. Like how did an hour go by? I watched what, how many did I watch a couple? Oh no, I probably watched like 40 of them. You know, it's like, it's so easy to get sucked in. I, I almost, you know, dread going to Instagram and posting, you know, <laughs> the latest show because I know that it, the temptation is there to to just, you know, look at the video that it's going to show me. I mean, it's it's kind of weird and it feels insidious to that, that, you know, I'm participating in that. I know that there's good content in these places. You know, Father Roderick Von Hogan is a friend of Starquest, one of the founders. Uh, he's big on TikTok now, and he talks he talks all the time about the value of TikTok and how he reaches people with the gospel there, and how much good stuff he finds there and interesting and educational. But you have to, but that's because you've mined it for that. You've had to work to get it. This TikTok itself. Uh, Apart from the geopolitical issues with TikTok, which like Father uh, Father Corey, you're right. We need to talk about those again. But uh, just just in the way that it works, you're working against it in order to make it good. And that's the, the thing I worry about. 
Well, and, and having the the self control to say, no, I'm not going to watch one more. You know, even just regular YouTube. Not, we're not talking about the shorts. We're just talking about, oh, here's the next recommended video. Oh, one more will be fine. One more will be fine. What do you mean it's midnight? <laughs> right. And, you know. And now I don't get into any of this. So am I abnormal, or have I, or my, you know, tastes lie elsewhere? You're of a particular generation. You didn't grow up immersed in this. I mean, this is, you think about these teens, like someone who's 13 years old today, they don't know a world without Facebook. That's Never true. mind social media or the internet. They don't know a world without social media. They've been yeah. marinating in it their entire lives, these teens. And so, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, you and I are old enough where, you know, we remember a time when, like, Never mind before, you know, that we had to dial up. We we remember time before dial up, before the internet. That's true. I remember party lines. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, and how many of these kids, these kids that are teens now were the ones 10 years ago that they'd start making noise. And so their parents would throw an iPad in their face to watch, you know, something on YouTube. These kids don't know a world without iPhones and iPads. That's right. Yeah. You know, and and, and I'm, I'm, I'm obviously a little bit younger than. The, the other two panelists, but not by much. And I also remember, you know, a time when we didn't have a home computer or we did have a home computer, but it wasn't hooked up to anything but the power cord and the TV, right. you know? <laughs> right. And, right. And, you know, and there were times when mom said, went over and hit the power switch and said, go outside, you know? Mm-hmm. But even adults are getting into this because I know adults who sit there for hours on end watching TikTok or YouTube. And I, mm-hmm. so for me, I just think it's not my preferred method of viewing stuff. Do I, do I, if I want to find out how to do something, I might go somewhere else before I go to YouTube, you yeah. know? So it's just the, I don't know if it's just the way my brain works, but I well, can't you might not see. be a, a visual learner like that. You may not be someone who, for mm-hmm. whom the like watching someone do a thing is the, is the primary way that you you know is the best way for you to 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 learn something it might be that you're someone who is better at either hearing or reading about a thing so there could be that difference as well uh and and again i don't want people to think that we're we're doing the oh this generation today they're terrible <laughs> yeah. i mean yeah. you, you know listen to what we're saying this is not just teens this is the their parents right. is all of us that, that they're just the canary in the coal mine that we're looking at and they learned it from somewhere. They just didn't crawl up to one of these devices and start punching mm-hmm. at it. Right. Yeah. It. Uh, one of the it, it, another interesting aspect is talked about the technology that they have access to because we talk like uh, iPhones and iPads their entire lives. Ninety five percent of them have access to digital devices like smartphones. Ninety uh, percent mm-hmm. to computers. Eighty percent to gaming consoles. I mean, think of think of that. Ninety five percent. Ninety five. That's that's an amazing number. To, right to, to smartphones and I, I mean this is something I'm struggling you know struggling with in my own house I have three teens now and uh, I you know the oldest is 16 and she has a phone that doesn't have phone service and we're at the point now where she needs phone service you know we just because the world we live in expects them to have it and mm-hmm. that's the, the, well, they're gonna get assignments via you know online resources that they yep. need to do on their phones. You know, uh, this wasn't that long ago. It was in the spring. I was driving past Great Falls High School, uh, you know, big high school, at least for Montana standards. It's probably small compared to some things like in Boston or Rhode Island. But, um, you know, and there was a girl out there, a high school girl that was taking a picture of a leaf with her smartphone. And you know the assignment was here's you know, a list of paper in one hand and the smartphone in the other. And it was go find 
X number, you know, kind of like when we were in school, it was go pick leaves, you know, 10 leaves from trees from around your neighborhood. <laughs> take them to a piece of paper. Like, yeah. Yeah. And now it's go take a picture with your smartphone of 10 leaves. Right. 10 different leaves. Isn't there an app for that? There is. <laughs> well, that will identify them. Yeah. 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 Um, but, but still, it's, yeah. it's, that's an assignment that requires them to have this capability. And that's where I was actually shocked it was 95%. Instead of like ninety nine point nine nine nine. Well, that's the thing is you start. You I I know people whose kids don't have smartphones who are who are having these conflicts in schools because the schools assume and and uh, that the kids have the phones. Like I was just reading yesterday about a program that a lot of schools are implementing called e hall pass. It's a service. Mm -hmm. So you remember when we were kids, hall pass. I want to go to the bathroom. Teacher writes a little piece, a little of, piece paper, of paper, you know, yeah. here you go. And if someone asks you, here's your pass. Well, now it's e-hall pass. It's all electronic. They can track which kids are going, how often they're going, wh who they're going at the same time as out of the classroom. Mm -hmm. And and it's just, you, 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 what are you tracking my kids' bowel movements now? Sorry, I didn't mean gross, but you know what I mean? No, like like this Facebook sort of, is. Yeah, I mean, this is the, this information <laughs> is out there and mm -hmm. it's like, what if my kid does it like and it's an e-hall pass. So it obviously means it's something on their phone. What if my kid doesn't have a phone? And as a former teacher, I'm sitting there going, why didn't I have this? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and of course, my, this, this, the cynical side of me says, and I'm sure it doesn't track your GPS location. Oh, right. no, <laughs> not at all. Well, I mean, if I was if, if I was had a kid in, the, in a school that had this e-hall pass, you could be sure I'd be looking at the privacy settings on the phone and on that app and making sure that it didn't have. Although, you know, the thing is, is it, the, an app that wants these permissions will bug you about it. And keep bugging mm -hmm. you and keep bugging you until you give approval. And I can see a kid just like, oh, I just need to go to the bathroom. I'm going to just say yes, yeah. you know. Um, I, I'm not a, obviously not a Luddite. I love technology. I love using technology. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're, you know, we're going into a future where these devices are going, are ubiquitous. I mean, we're already there. Everyone's got a, a, a smartphone. Uh, the question is, is, at what point does it become intrusive? What what point does it right. start harming us spiritually and not just physically? I mean, everyone's uh, everyone's got a smartphone neck now, though. But but I mean, just like yeah. uh, spiritually and uh, emotionally harming us by by being s s something that disconnects us from each other, from even from right. ourselves. And that's the the one that we need to think about. You see, that's that's the big concern for me as a pastor, as a priest, is what are these kids learning? What is being passed to them? Because we can look at some of the contemporary cultures we have in our country right now, you know, and things that kids are picking up on issues that of sexuality, for example, that our younger and younger kids are being pressed into. And they're learning it from online. They're learning it from social media. They're, they're not learning it in most cases from their parents. They're not learning it from their church. They're learning it from, again, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, whatever. And they're not hearing, they're not learning that from their parents. You know, what, what is, you know, in, in the future, what is being passed on to these kids directly instead of through these social media, you know? and. And that's 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 a big concern 
again, for us as churches, because as a church, we believe very strongly that the best connection is the face-to-face connection. That was the big concern during during the pandemic. Uh, that's the big concern with these social media, that to really preach the gospel, for example, is a face-to-face thing. It's a person-to-person thing. You can open someone up to hearing the gospel through social media, but ultimately there's going to be that personal connection. The sacraments are personal. You know, they are. We have to be in the presence of the sacrament to receive the sacrament. You can't baptize by, okay, pour water over your head as I say the words, you know, and you're sitting in your bathtub pouring water over your head. You know, you can't do that. It has to be in person. You can't receive the Eucharist except in person. We can't just mail out, you know, Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament to each parishioner and have them receive as they watch the live stream mass, you know, things like that. And and that's so it's what kind of formation are the are these kids getting in faith, in interpersonal relationship, in dating, in all these things that are for all of human history have been interpersonal. That's me. Is that being broken? And and, and I agree because it, you got to be in the room. I always say you got to be in the room where it happens in order to it's spiritually you it, it's nice that we have uh live stream we're still live streaming masses for people who can't get there and but that should be like the exception now and not the total norm meaning the people should all be coming to church and they're not but one thing i wanted to say to you dom is we're not luddites we know something that they don't. We know a world without these. And we know and we know the harm that some of what this can do to them. And we're the last ones left now to be able to give as much of that information to them before we're gone. And we need to keep banging that drum. Like, for example, technology in faith formation right now for me is there is a, um, a, a some kind of a screen in every classroom and we've invested in both a Roku system, you know, getting Rokus for all these and a NAS so that we can control what videos and what shorts that they're going to be seeing in their faith formation classes. That's the good use of this. If we hadn't set up the NAS, then it would be... Um, you know, just go out on YouTube and find, no, mm-hmm. no, <laughs> that's not what we're doing here. Right. And each, and, and each one of them has a Catholic channel on it too. So it gives, and, and I'm teaching catechists how to find these things. Just don't type Catholic in Google. Yeah, that yeah. won't, you gotta be more discerning than that. And that's where things like formed is so good because they have so many good programs on that mm-hmm. formed.org. I mean, it's, it's incredible. If you can afford but- it. It's it's tough for my Our place. diocese set up an agreement with them for one year for free for everybody in the diocese. Good for you. Yeah, you know, that's and that's, that's the kind of thing that we need to be looking at where, okay, instead of handing the kid a YouTube video, hand them something from Formed or something like that, you know, uh, and same thing with classes and everything. And no, it's this technology has got its benefits. This technology is, is a great thing. But like you said, Joanne, we know how to turn it off. We know how to walk away from it. We remember and, a time and, when we could, it's actually yeah. it's heartening. <laughs> it's heartening. Like, like you said, Dom, is there are teens that are starting to recognize this isn't good for me all the time. Yes, yeah. they I are. do need to be able to turn this off and go do something like pick up a book or just go outside and sit in the lawn and enjoy a nice day. Go hang out with your friends at the mall. Malls don't exist anymore. Malls yeah, don't where? exist anymore. When I was a yeah. teen, it was like, oh, you, you kids hanging at the mall. I, I'd be all for it now. Like, go. <laughs> 
<laughs> go hang out downtown and the you know and, and cause trouble. Just get out of the house and leave your phones behind. <laughs> Amazon made sure that malls don't exist anymore. So that's true. But yeah. no, I, I agree. I agree though. It's just go outside, go to the park, go. You know, it, the the world is relatively safe still to go outside and just have mm. a nice afternoon playing in the park. Heck, some days that sounds good to me as an adult. <laughs> yeah, me yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, go join scouts and you can go camping and hiking and enjoy the world around you. All right. Uh, so that's it for on this topic for now, I think. But obviously we'll be coming back to this. We talk about this regularly, about, you know, how we use technology and especially te- uh, teens and kids. Uh, and uh, we'll be we'll be talking about this again in the future. Uh, we want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology, including Edward C., Patricia T., Aaron V., Hisha, and Sean G. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of technology in all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So our next headline I want to talk about is, I think this is one you brought to my attention, Joanne. This is the uh, article Green versus Blue, and there's two blues here versus one green, by the way. Uh, Google Google blasts Apple for broken texting between iPhone and Android. And uh, the uh, article talks about uh, Google's complaints that Apple's uh, end-to-end encrypted iMessage system turns Android users into second-class citizens and also uh, claims that Apple's proprietary system is not as good as the open source or open standard, not open source, open standard called rich communication services. Um, and and that the article then goes into a little bit about the, the cultural aspect of it. So there's two different aspects. There's a technology and then there's a, the cultural issue. But let's talk about the technology first. Um, I've heard this complaint by Google before about, you know, the, the Apple should be using RCS in, as a open standard. Although I got to say, RCS is a not as capable. It doesn't do all the same things that that uh, iMessage can do. It's still not all there. But also B, Google's it's not as open a standard as they claim. Google has made some of it modifications to it for their own purposes as well, which is fine by me, but just it's a little disingenuous, I think. Uh, what, Father Corey, as the green bubble in our conversation here, what do you think? I think Apple needs to knock off the green bubble. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it, you know, let's be honest. Apple could fix this problem one way that they will never do. Bring iMessages to Android. Mm. Right. They, they don't have to drop iMessages. Bring out an iMessage. I guarantee you, I would jump over to iMessage instead of because Google Messages is not bad. It really isn't. It's it's a decent enough messaging service, but it's a basic SMS, MMS messaging. RCS, yeah, app. <laughs> it's got the RCS features where if I'm if I'm messaging with someone from Android, it'll show the little so and so is writing, you know, so and so is typing. Fine, I don't care about that. Frankly, I hate that because then you see the so and so is typing and then it disappears, and it's like. Okay, (laughs) or the little dots, you know, on Facebook or whatever, you know, but that that could go away. But all Apple would have to do is bring iMessage and this argument would disappear because nobody would use app or Google messages. They'd use iMessage. I guarantee you. But Apple won't do that because they they said themselves, this is uh, something that can be a little encouragement, a little nudge towards iOS instead of Android. Competitive advantage. Yeah. 
But I, but I, I think that I think that the very idea of doing the green bubble versus the blue bubble, I think it's stupid. And I, and I know the reason that they mentioned in the article is because that shows that not all the iMessage features will work in this conversation. Right. I think I still think it. Yeah. I think it's still stupid. <laughs> well, well, let's talk with the continue to talk with the technology technological aspect first, jo- Joanne, before we get to the cultural issue. Yeah, it, it's. I'm 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 one of those blue bubbles who thinks everybody should be a blue bubble. It, it really doesn't matter. I know that Apple's reason why they won't do it is because then people have more of a choice to buy a phone. Right. And while I can understand that from a, a totally, you know, business point of view, I I think it's it's the matter of this now. I think we're be I think we're beyond this. I think people are going to choose what they want, n- no matter what. And I think Apple's just got to loosen the reins. A little. Well, how much money do they more need? <laughs> you know, I mean, how much money do they more do they want more? You know, I mean, come on, folks. I think it's a bit of a fiduciary responsibility to 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 remain competitive and to keep to keep competitive advantages. I get that, but I agree. I think they. At this point, people have chosen the platform that they're going to right. use. And how does this harm iPhone users? It actually, I mean, it does harm us a little bit because I we have a degraded experience when people that we are conversing with aren't using iPhone 2 and we try to use these features. Uh, and that's not going to make the Android user, you know, my inconvenience isn't going to change the Android user, you right. know. So I, I mm. think... So, so this kind of gets into the cultural aspect, but, but well, let's f- I'll finish my thought on the technological thing because it does frustrate me when I'm, you know, my my sister wants to send a video and it comes out of this at this at this tiny little blurry pixelated you can't even see it little video because that's what can be sent via the old SMS system or you know the someone you know with an iPhone we're in a mixed conversation they want to like you know they want to do that like press and hold to like and mm-hmm. it copies the entire message over again especially yep. when it's a really long message and i wonder about that because android now will show that properly my android photo when someone does that will show that properly now i'm still getting it I'm getting yeah. it the way down. That's on Apple's it. side at this yeah. point. <laughs> yeah. my, mine will. Because, yeah, I remember where it would do that. It would copy the message. So-and-so liked message. Mm-hmm. Right. And now it just does the little bubble at the bottom with the, the smiley face or whatever. It could be my. So this is in a family chat where my I have one sibling who refuses to get an iPhone, even though she's all Mac. I don't know what her problem is, but we haven't. <laughs> she's, she's smart. Yeah. No, just oh. no, just because she wants to be the outlier. Right. And with the yeah. rest of us are all are all iPhone. And so she might it might be she has an older uh, Android device. So she, I, I, that could be true, she, too. She probably hasn't updated yet. Uh, but um, that that brings a cultural issue, which is, is like we have these issues where someone shows up in a chat and they're not, you know, they're not in the blue bubble and you can't do all the things you want to do. And people who don't understand that there's a difference are trying to do these things and they're getting frustrated. So like my, my other sister wants to send the, 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 the emojis and the, you know, the likes and the, whatever the, the silly things that, that uh, iMessage can do. And she's, you know, trying to can't figure it out. And we have these weird long, you know, text family text threads one in the article there's a, a one guy talks about his teenage son who talks about being ostracized for being an android user because all his friends are iphone users and he found out that they were starting new group chats and excluding him because no one wanted the green bubble in the group chat like 
which is weird, but you know, and, and I have some problems between devices. You know, if I start a conversation on one device and even though I have it all set up so that, yes, I can keep handing off green bubbles sometimes don't show up on the other devices. Well, you won't get you won't get SMS coming to your uh, iPad unless it's mm-hmm. not cellular or your Mac, because those are phone conversations. Right. So we'll only go right. to the phone. Right. And so it's hard. It's some, like sometimes you wonder, like, why? Why can't I respond to this message on my Mac? You know, it's mm-hmm. iMessage, right? Right. It's a degraded experience for the for the for Apple's for customers. Yeah. Yeah. And there's there's ways Apple can can make that work, too. But, you know, again, they 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 want to have that as a lock in one of many lock ins. And I just that that drives me nuts that it's just like they can make this work. Like I said, Apple bring out iMessage for Android. All these problems disappear. The world will be happier. You'll be happier. And you may even get people who say, hey, this iMessage isn't too bad. Maybe I should look into what else iOS can do. Well, it's the same. It's, it'd, be, it'd be like saying, you know, we're not going to let the, the the Android to have Apple Music or whatever. You know, they've already mm-hmm. rolled right. out the, their services for people who don't use iOS or Mac, you know, Mac OS. This is another one that they should roll out. And I, I agree. I as, an, as a longtime Apple user and diehard fan, I agree let let android know how good it is with a taste of how good it is on the side of the the fence okay just let it go let them have it let them have it give the, give yeah. them a taste all right for the good of the world <laughs> for, the good, for the good of the world uh, uh the next headline is an update of something we talked about recently uh not i don't know if it was how recently it was but we talked about in the past which is uh this this guy in britain who had uh a Bitcoin wallet stored on a hard drive that he threw away accidentally uh, over a decade ago. It had 8,000 Bitcoins on it, which today, even after the the, the great cryptocurrency collapse uh, of 2022, is still worth about $180 million. And he knows fairly certain that it's buried in his, his town's dump, uh, the, the, the landfill. And he has he's previously asked the town council to let him dig it up. He'll even share some of the money with them. And they keep saying no. Well, he's back with a new plan. This is in uh, Wales, I guess it's a a Newport in Wales um, where he's got venture capitalists who have who've put up money, $11 million. He's got professional companies. He's got a plan to hire people to sift through the the landfill and a special technology that will scan it. He even has got a plan to have like those Boston dynamic robot dogs secure as security to patrol. I mean, he's got a, I mean, he's got a, it looks like a really good plan. He's they have to scour about a hundred thousand metric tons of garbage. And he's got, and it will either the long plan is three years at the cost of $11 million or a scaled down version uh, that takes 18 months at the cost of $6 million. And then he says, when it's full, when we're, when we're done, we'll cap the landfill. We'll build a wind farm or solar power, you know, thing on top of it. Uh, we'll take all the environmental precautions, etc. And the city still says, no. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, this is a capped landfill. If you look at the article, when I'll link to it, uh, there's a photo. It's, it's a capped landfill. It's not a, an active landfill. And so, uncapping a landfill is a big environmental thing and they may not even be allowed to do it by the, by law. So uh, what do y'all think of this story? <laughs> well, yeah. I, I, I think the dude's just going to have to 
realize he's screwed up and it's gone. You know, you're talking about being a cap landfill. It's not just they throw some dirt on it and plant some grass. It's they literally, they'll put liner, you know, plastic liner. They'll put drainage field in there. I mean, there's there's a lot that's done to cap a landfill nowadays. Um, and I, I, I hate to say, and the article makes a good point that there's probably about an 80 to 90 percent chance they'll be able to recover it if the hard drive is complete. If it didn't get crushed, he's out of luck, period. Yeah. And he could he could be out of a lot of money either way. I don't know. My opinion is leave it. Let it go. Just let it go, <laughs> dude. You screwed up. Yeah. Life sucks. You thought you're rich. You're not. <laughs> I mean, I can imagine. So he's he's pledged to give away to keep only 30% of what's recovered, which would be $54 million today. Uh, that's a lot of money. I get it. You got to move on. Yeah, it's, I mean, he's plucky. He's definitely thought this out. He right down to the robotic dogs, which I still think are very scary. <laughs> yes. um, those things are just scary the way they move. <laughs> um, but I would, you know, I'm thinking it's buried under all that, that stuff on top of it, those platter, if, if it's just sitting in there, a platter has got to be cracked. I mean, you can't tell me that all of that poundage is, you know, it's going to survive all mm-hmm. that. And it's been nine years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah, buddy, you, you <laughs> buy a lottery ticket. You'd probably be better yeah. off. I don't blame him. I, if I had a, a $50 million payday sitting there, I would do everything I could to, 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 to get it too like if if it was just sitting there waiting for me i would do all of this too i mean i don't blame him but it's not going to happen like it's just it's well and, i mean i know our lord used the parable of the treasure and you know selling the the, the everything he owned for the treasure in the field yes, but this isn't exactly price. that <laughs> this is not the pearl, 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 pearl let me tell no, you no he's the guy who buried his talents <laughs> yes <laughs> exactly agreed <laughs> all right so james howell we're rooting for you but uh it's probably a lost cause so our our third headline is interesting. So the, these uh, AI researchers created a this is another one of those models where we tried to see how if we can fool people with it. They created a language model that could emulate a famous philosopher, uh, Daniel Dennett, who they chose him because he's a living and thus could evaluate the the experiment himself. But also he he's a uh, talked a lot about AI in his philosophy, but. Uh, what they did was they created a language model based on all his writings and had an AI develop a bunch of thoughts, philosophical thoughts, that, and then tried to challenge people whether they could pick out the real versus the AI, what he, stuff he's really said versus what the AI said. And they, they had different groups of people that or just ordinary people off the street. They had uh Blog readers, which I guess are people I, I didn't get what who the blog readers were. Were they maybe people who read uh, um, his blog or philosophical blogs? And then they had people who were experts on the philosopher's works. And even the experts only got about 50 percent of the time. Um, what did you think of the article just to, just to start? Uh, well, actually, let me ask a different, a different question up front. They gave an example of two statements, one which is really said by Dennett, one said by the AI. Did you get a chance to look at those those two statements? No. no. Okay. So I looked at them, and they said even the experts couldn't pick out which one was Dennett and which one wasn't. Um, I have to say, 
I found it pretty easy to to figure out which one was really Dennett, and which one wasn't. So the one that re- he didn't really say is uh, uh is it says uh, we've already built digital boxes of truths that can generate more truths. But thank goodness these smart machines don't have beliefs because they aren't able to act on them. Not being at- autonomous agents, the old fashioned way of making a robot with beliefs is still the best. To have a baby, and I'm like that doesn't sound at all like the other statement. And I'm like, that sounds like AI, like an AI model built that, like a language model mm-hmm. um, out of things that he has, that someone has said. Um, and it's true. So um, I, I found it interesting. What did you think of this, this experiment? It, it, it is interesting what they can do now with the artificial intelligence learning models. Um, you know, you look at the, the things online where you can type in, uh, you know, Pope Francis is Darth Vader or something like that. And right. it'll come up with a picture, the you know, I'm just, stuff. Easy, yeah, you know, the AI art stuff and that like the, the Stargate uh, SG one experiments they've done where they've actually had readings of an AI created a couple of times. They've done now AI created scripts and they had like Amanda tapping who played Sam Carter and uh, the actor played Daniel Jackson, Mike, Michael Shanks. Yeah. Yeah. Had him actually read their lines from this script, uh-huh. and it, I didn't watch it, but it sounded like it was it, it was clearly something that was made up by a computer. It was just disconnected. But the fact that they could get to the point where they could create these things artificial intelligence is pretty incredible. Um, now, as far as this experiment is concerned, yeah, it, it sounds more like the artificial intelligence could mimic his voice, his writing voice. Yeah but not actually produce the same thought that he would. Well, I think that's one of the important elements of this is that it is the, or the research is emphasized is the AI is not generating original thought. It's, it's just a, a language model. It's not doing mm-hmm. philosophy. It's creating philosophical sounding phrases that, you know, make sense when you read them, but are not original. They're not, it's not, it's not intelligence in that sense. It's right. a mimic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's mimicking right. is what it's doing. You're giving it information on what philosophical thought is, and then it's trying to mimic. But is it having an original philosophical thought? No. No. Well, and the the creators of this experiment point out that, yes, I mean, that's they, they never they weren't intending to have create original thoughts. They're illustrating actually a problem, which we all have to have to deal with, which is actually not unrelated to what we we're talking about before. Um, as natural language processing systems become more sophisticated and common, this is from the article, we'll need to grapple with the implications of how easy it can be to be deceived by them. Ah, okay. You know, when we're reading when reading language that sounds realistic or about topics that are deep and meaningful to us, it might be difficult, as generations of science fiction writers have warned, to avoid projecting emotions or insight onto something that doesn't have these qualities. So, in other words, you know, we're imbuing into these words more import or meaning or significance than we should. You know, we're, we're giving them more um, uh, standing than we should. And it's, it'll be easy to be deceived by things like this if we're not careful. Well, we've talked before about deep fakes, and that's really kind of one of the issues, concerns that this could lead to is all of a sudden there could be articles showing up where such and such 
candidate for office or such and such you know important person celebrity or whatever said x y and z and you can find videos where it shows that they said x y and z and audio copy of them saying x y and z and they never said it it was completely deep fake you know and that's for me more the concern you know not so much having an emotional attachment or an intellectual attachment to something an ai came up with but more the idea of how could this be used to trick people right we've already seen how fake news headlines can can you know uh or manipulate uh, mm-hmm. large quantities of people you know mm-hmm. this is another layer of that and that's harder to detect yeah it, the whole thing gets me going just from the deep it, the deep fake thing i get very very nervous about mm-hmm. and i but again those of us who are older I would think have built, have a little bit more wherewithal to be able to discern a deep fake rather than somebody who is younger. I don't know. And I don't, well, I'm kind of hoping we do just because, (laughs) well, well, no, because of the experience that we have with listening and how we've listened to certain people over the years that we might be able to say, wait a minute, that doesn't quite sound right. Although I have to say younger people who are more familiar with technology may be more skeptical of technology knowing what it can right. do, whereas older right. folks okay. who are not as technologically savvy might mm-hmm. be easier to fool in, in in many cases because they're not expecting it. Or so, thus in the case of Nigerian princess, princesses on, you know, yes. email. Right. Yes, yes, the uh, phishing emails, that sort of stuff. So mm. um, it, what it does behoove us is to be cautious and skeptical and to be informed. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, excellent. All right, so those are our headlines this week. Let's move on to our last segment where we're going to talk about our picks of the week. And Father Corey, why don't you go first with your pick of the week? So my pick is a, a website and app for both Android and Apple um, called, it's from the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency here in the U.S. Uh, it's called Air Now, And what it is, is ultimately, I mean, it originally was developed as a, you know, where you can see all these different air quality monitors that are scattered throughout the country. Um, and I think it actually, let me, I think if I remember right, it also even goes like up into Canada, you know, so it can do some international. Yeah, it does. So it shows you what are these monitors showing for air quality and by air quality, this is particulates. This is ozone levels. This is, you know, all the stuff that makes smog and things like that. And it, it's mostly important for those who have weakened immune systems, weakened, you know, their, their lung capacity is weakened or so on, where bad air can affect them much more severely than someone maybe who's healthy. But also if there's some really serious issue, let's say like a fire burning right next door that could cause, you know, actual medical issues, health issues. Well, they've added onto this app where you go in, you know, bring it up and it will show you like whatever their closest monitor is to where you're at the air quality. Like right now it's saying it's mine's at 48, which Zero to 50 is good. 50 to 100 is, you know, is a different level and so on. So right now it's right borderline uh, good. But they've added a really good feature for those of us in the West, because anybody who lives in the Western United States knows West uh, summer is wildfire season. And they've added a feature that goes that ties into the Forest Service's INCIWeb, I-N-C-I web, where it shows you where there are forest fires, wildfires and the smoke that's being produced by them. So like right now I can see that we have a lot of smoke because there's fires not that far from here within about a hundred miles. And there's also fires coming down from Canada and so on. 
So they show you that you can see a map, a, a Google map, actually, I believe it is, that um, that shows you where the fires are, where the smoke's coming from, what the monitors are showing close by you. It's really, you know, again, for for somebody like me who lives in the West, you know, knowing where these fires are can be essential because we had a fire last summer that was just five miles away. And they, in this app, you can not just see where the fires are, but what's burned, what information is there about it. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's a great app for those of us who uh, are in the West, but for people in general, if, you, if you're kind of concerned what's, you know, if air feels like you can smell some smoke in the air or the air feels a little bit thick, well, it's, you can see why. So, it's, again, it's EPA, from the EPA called Air Now, and it's, it's a great little app. It's free, of course, because it's from the government, so it's worth checking out. So some of this, like you can get an air quality index number in, like I know on the iPhone, you can get it um, in the right. weather app and even on the maps mm-hmm. app, but mm-hmm. it doesn't have all the detail and all the data and especially the fire uh, information like this does. So this might be right. something additional people want to consider. Uh, I, I noticed that it, it actually installs and runs on my Mac on a Silicon Mac because it has an iPad app. Um, so, mm. uh, so I can run it on my, on my Mac. Well, you, you can- you can also go, I think it's airnow.gov or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And it's just a website, yep. you know, so. Uh, so, very good. Excellent. That's a, very useful. Now, last time it was lightning. Now it's air quality. <laughs> yeah. I agree with all the weather. I'm on a trend. <laughs> you're, on a, you're, you're on a roll. <laughs> it's, it's summer. Got to be outside. Yes, you know? exactly. Uh, I'll be doing a blizzard forecast ones in the winter. <laughs> there, there we go. Uh, Joanne, what's your pick this week? Well, it's out of one of my tales of woe. The next, the next two picks will probably be from my tales of woe, uh, with my husband moving to the Windows dark side machine and we having to have to change everything else in our office setting. I picked up um, the Joby Podzilla medium tripod. Now, Joby's are great because they're very pliable. And you can tie them in knots and you can hang them on to things. And, but I was looking at the small one going, oh, it might be a little too small. The big one looked too big. So I went just right and went in the middle. And it's a perfect, this is something that not only is good when it's stationary, but it also is good when you are out and about. Because when you're doing your, either your selfie thing or you're doing filming outside and you have to walk around and hold it it's very very sturdy it's a tripod um and it has for your camera on i'm sure if you buy the large you can also put an ipad on that but uh it's very reasonably priced and right now it's going to be my main tripod for using my webcam you can put also um because of the it comes with an extra piece that you can put a little tiny light on it if you like to buy those small lights for for looking good and also the um microphone on the other side right it's got a it's got a basic quarter 20 uh adapter mm-hmm. that attaches to anything that uses a little screw thing too so that's you can yep. put anything on it yeah Yep, I just like the way it will move wherever I want it to. I haven't figured out quite yet how it's going to work in my, you know, in my setting, but I've also used it already to film like at church at times and just it it's much sturdier to hold in my hand and I don't see a lot of jumping. 
mm-hmm. which you see with something smaller or more, you know, lightweight. Yeah. This has a good a weight, weight to it. Yeah. It has a yeah. good weight to it. So $35 at Amazon and it was the best $35 I've spent in a while. And that is, is the kit that includes the mm-hmm. phone mount. You get so everything. Yeah. You get everything a, in it. That's pretty good. That's excellent. Uh, all right. So my pick this week is an app called Howda Spot, and it is a search engine or for your for your Mac. Uh, why not just use the Siri search on your Mac, you, you might ask, or the Spotlight search? Uh, and, uh, well, you could do that, but this is much more powerful. This lets you do all kinds of very particular searches, digging down. It gives you so many different ways to search for things and inside of files. You can even search inside of your mail, Apple Mail uh, app. So that's really useful. And uh, I, I, I don't use it all the time. Like when I'm looking for a file, I can usually, I'm thinking of the, of the title of something, but there's once in a while I run into an, uh, something where I'm, I know it was a file that had something this in it, what is it? And then you can sometimes search in Spotlight for that and you get all kinds of system files and all kinds of other stuff. This allows you to really narrow things down to exactly what you want and will come up with the right the right things. Uh, it is a $34 app, but if you are a set app subscriber like I am, you get it included. I'm sorry, folks. The, 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 recently, I've been just going through all my set app. Uh, apps that I use. And if you've heard how often I've said that if it's in set app, you start to get an idea of maybe it's worth that monthly fee <laughs> to, to get, to get set app. Um, this is, they're not a sponsor. I, I, they could sponsor if they want it, but uh, I'm just a happy customer uh, of uh, set app, but, and how to spot. So they have a couple other apps. There's the same people who did Howda software. They have Howda geo, which is fun. If you take a lot of photos with an SLR that doesn't have GPS in it, if you know, if you use your phone, it usually tags it. Uh, but how to geo lets you tag photos with geolocation uh, after the fact and that sort of thing. So um, they they are, they have a great uh, bunch of software there. So that will do it for. Oh, one other thing, my I forgot to mention this. My last tip. Uh, this just happened yesterday, I think. If you are a Mac user who ha- uses Zoom, which you know nowadays is everybody in, who's a Mac user, mm-hmm. update your Zoom right away. There is a zero day exploit that would allow someone to take control of your Mac. Update your Zoom. <laughs> do not wait. Did that today? Yes. yes. Yep. Do not wait. Do no, not- all you got to do is just launch the Zoom app without a meeting, just yep. and then go to checked updates. You know the the Zoom menu, check updates, and it'll download it real quick. And then tell everyone you know, including mm-hmm. people who don't listen to tech podcasts. Uh, this is your duty as a te- as a techie who listens to tech podcasts is to inform mm-hmm. all the non techies about such things. We need to. Nip these things in the bud as soon as they become uh, and, visible. And by the way, I'm going to avoid the rant about, you know, how change logs don't actually tell you anything because this just says, oh, we just got some security updates. <laughs> yeah, a big one. Thanks, Zoom. <laughs> this is a big update, um, an important one. All right. So I should do it for us, us this time. I want to uh, tell you that. Uh, we'd love to get your feedback, just like we had James's feedback at the beginning of this episode. We want to get your feedback on things we've talked about. You can do that at sqpn.com slash technology or our Facebook page, facebook.com slash StarQuest Media. 
Send an email to technology at sqpn.com. Visit the StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord, where we're having some great conversations, by the way, with the listeners about Mm -hmm. the tech that they're using. And you'll find links from our discussion and our picks of the week on our show notes at sqpn.com. Remember to like each episode of Secrets of Tech wherever you find us on Facebook or Twitter or uh, any of those places and leave comments there. Uh, We'd like to thank James for his research assistance in this episode. And until next time, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of technology. Thank you, Dom. Joanne Mercier, thank you as well. Thanks, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the Secrets of Technology on StarQuest.